Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Today, I'll share one awesome thing about travel that gives me personal peace in droves. Maybe it does the same for you. Maybe you'll agree. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll find out later in the show, plus a wide-ranging interview with Elena from MuslimTravelGirl.com. We talk about a bunch of important big themes for all travelers like identity and perception, what it's like to take on a leadership role, and of course, plenty of travel talk mixed in. It's all happening right now, my friend. You can tell I'm a little jacked up for this, a lot jacked up for this, and I want to say thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. What's up, my friend? It's Jason here with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for hanging out spending time here today, letting me bring a little travel into your ears. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. You are joining many tens of thousands of people from around the world, this global caravan, all united by our love and passion for travel. If you're new to the show, welcome. Feel free to subscribe. If you've been listening for the last almost five years now, Thank you so much. I, uh, I'm so appreciative of everybody that takes the time to listen to this show. I am hyped up, like I said at the top of the show, not only for what I have to bring to you today, but because I just slammed a chocolate cake and a coffee. Pretty dangerous. It was my daughter's birthday last week, and um, she she's two, and my wife made this killer chocolate cake that's just sitting around staring me in the face every morning I get up and I keep trying not to eat it, but it's too good with coffee. You know, everybody's got their weaknesses. Uh, there's a quote from Margot Price, who's a, a great artist I've been listening to a lot lately. And she's got a song where she says something like, my weakness is stronger than me. Sometimes my weakness is stronger than me. And in this case, that's chocolate cake for me and always coffee, really. But it's a lazy morning. I'm a uh, Happy to share it with you. The weather outside here in Norway is a little bit hazy, kind of overcast. It reminds me of like a Northern California morning for some reason. And that's why coffee and cake is so good, particularly with this weather. I didn't start off the morning being lazy, I would say, but sometimes it feels that way for some reason. If I'm you know, not getting some work done or something, I feel like I'm being lazy, but 
what? You have to have that space, right? So I did a little meditation, played some guitar, worked on a little song I was writing, which was really fulfilling and warming up to record this for you. So it's really been an awesome morning. And now this is peaking because uh, now I get to spend time with you. You know, it's easy to get lazy and not do things when you work from home. I, I can always like wander over to the kitchen or you can always find something else to do. Uh, another thing it's easy to get lazy with is studying and practicing a foreign language. Can you relate? If you've done it before, you know how tough it can be. Even today, I I was out and about in here in Oslo where I live and I don't know, everybody speaks English. So sometimes you just revert back to English and I just smack myself later like, man, that was my chance to practice. Gotta keep the Norwegian going. And one of the things that prevents me from getting too lazy is my Pimsler audio courses. And if you go to zero to travel.com slash easy, you're gonna get a chance to get access to the same audio courses I love for free. What is Pimsler? Well, they're supporting today's show, so I wanna say thanks for them. I've been using their products for a long time. Their audio courses for any language you want to learn, and you can learn on the go. So if you like listening to podcasts, you're going to love that you can listen and learn anywhere and stay on top of the language you're learning or start with a new language and you start speaking right away. And if you're based in the States and you go to that link, zero to travel.com slash easy, you'll get access to a free seven day trial. And if you like what you hear there in terms of the language courses, then you can continue on for just a very low monthly subscription rate, just like Netflix or Spotify or any of those types of services. So instead of having to pay like, I mean, think about the Spotify analogy, like you could imagine all the music listened to on a streaming service like that. If you bought all those CDs, it would cost you, you know, hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars, but you get all the music for 10 bucks a month or whatever. It works the same with Pimsleur, but you can try it for free first for seven days. And if you're not based in the States, you're still going to get access to a free lesson. You still have the ability to purchase lessons if you like how they go. I love these language lessons. I love how they keep me on top of the language I'm learning and really motivate me every day when I need it. So zero to travel.com slash easy. You can sign up over there. And if you continue on with that free trial into the paid version, you'll also be supporting this show. So I want to thank you so much for that. And I want to thank Pimsler for uh, being a part of the zero to travel show and, and offering the discount to the community and supporting my work. So thank you so much. Now I got to give a shout out to one of you fine folks in the listening community. Ashley, we've been trading a couple emails. She told me she's coming to Norway, so we're going to try to meet up when she gets here. But she just listened to the last episode, the transition to travel episode I did with Joe. And she said it was timely because she wrote, I intended to submit my two weeks to my engineering job yesterday, but panicked and bailed in hilariously dramatic fashion as I sobbed and sang loudly to my steering wheel on my commute home. <laughs> I think we can all relate to that, Ashley. I think we've all been there at some point in our car, like just, you know, in our own worlds, in our own little box thinking, oh, nobody can see us in our car, right? We we might be crying or freaking out and we think we're in this like protective container. Meanwhile, like you look over and somebody right next to you at the light is like, what's up with that person? Anyway, <laughs> um, she goes on to say, I'm the youngest of four with three older brothers. My brothers all took the path less traveled. So I comfortably settled into the vacant role of sibling with a traditional career. I've been financially independent since 17, and before I knew it, being the, quote, stable one had become a core part of my identity and immutably tied to my job, trading in the paycheck and predictable trajectory for the uncertainty of entrepreneurship. 
is causing me some serious anxiety. She said, I got into the office early this morning to get into the right mindset. And the Zero to Travel episode was in the queue. It was a bit eerie how similar Joe's story is to my own, right down to the first step of purchasing a domain, hearing his perspectives then and now encouraged me and reminded me of my ultimate goals. She goes on to say, in a culture that's committed to the grind, your podcast is always refreshing emphasis on the endless possibilities that transcend all borders. Thank you for always inspiring me and for all the care you put into building this community. It definitely shows. Sending warm vibes from Austin. Thanks, Ashley. Sending you warm vibes back. And I wanted to share her email today because she mentioned, you know, being tied up with this identity of being the stable one. That is something that has come up on this show. And it's really interesting because it's not something we think about all the time. Like what what is our identity? Or are we taking on an identity that isn't us and and taking ownership of that? And is that getting us off course with the things we want to do? Or there's all these issues and ideas and, and things around identity. What does it even mean? What is I, if someone asked me, what's your identity? What's your personal identity? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't answer that question. I do know that if I am in a place where things don't feel right. Maybe it's that I'm creating an identity that isn't me and I got to get back to who I am or I, I, I don't know. I mean, life's always in flux, right? But this whole question of identity is a theme that comes up in today's interview and we're going to get into it now. I hope you enjoy it. And on the backside of this interview, I'm going to share my answer to that question at the top of the show. One awesome thing about travel that gives me personal peace in droves. And I want to see if you agree with that and also be leaving you with a challenge today. Challenge that I'm going to take on myself as well. And uh, I wonder if you will do it with me. So stick around for that. Enjoy the interview and I'll see you on the other side, my friend. My guest today is the founder and editor of the largest Western Muslim-friendly travel blog where she helps Muslims explore the world without breaking the bank. She offers advice on halal travel, friendly destinations for Muslims, and much more. You can find her work at muslimtravelgirl.com. Elena Nikolova, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. Whereabouts in the world are you today? I always have to ask travelers this because you just don't know. Yeah, basically. Um, I am currently based in Doha, Qatar. Okay. Sunny Doha. Uh, I know for many parts of the world it's snowing and raining, and I just came from Toronto, which was snowing and minus one. And all of a sudden, I am back to 30 degrees. (laughs) I'm looking at snow right now, as you said that. That sounds nice. Where are you from? Right. That's a fantastic question to ask. And it's also one of the questions that are the hardest for me to answer. Really? But basically, I was born in Bulgaria, I was raised in Greece, and I have lived in the UK. And I literally turned 30 in December, and I have 10 years in each country. (laughs) So where am I from? It's really a three-thirds of me in different countries. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's uh, usually when I... If I ask somebody where they're from, uh, usually like it's not like, oh, uh, that's that's kind of a hard question to answer. So that's interesting because how has that experience growing up in different countries uh, influenced your like decision to travel? Oh, God. I was born in the travel industry, literally from as young as I remember. My parents were managing a hotel and then we had... A hotel, our own hotel in Greece running. And I've always been in traveling. 
Um, I've always had that passion of like meeting new people and I was the only one speaking English. So I would have to deal with everything related to, you know, running a small Airbnb kind of type um, rooms. So it's been, it's been great. And I think I was born with a travel bug, seriously. And I think I took it from my mom as well. Because now I travel with her a lot. People are like, oh, you're a Muslim. Where do you travel and how do you travel? I travel with my mom a lot. Yeah, cool. Wait, so when you were growing up and you were working with your parents, like kind of like a family business thing at the hotel. So you, when you say that, you mean you were, your parents don't speak English, but then you were the ones that were, were kind of facilitating between them and the guests and that sort of thing. So yeah. Yeah. What was that experience like? I think it was fantastic. So my first very early experience is about when I was five or six and my parents were managing, um, running a hotel um, my mom was at the reception. My dad was at the bar. That was great because I remember running around rooms and wanting to sleep every night in the hotel. When I was a teenager, we used to run a hotel in Corfu, Greece, um, our own hotel. We had about eight rooms. So it was a very small family business. And they didn't speak English. So I would do everything from speaking with the customers. We had predominantly British customers, and, you know, to cleaning the rooms and running around and, uh, you know, making everyone happy. It was actually a great experience because it gave you exposure to a different culture. Great practice for English. <laughs> and also, I already knew from then that I really wanted to study in England and live in England. And that's what happened when I turned 18 and graduated. I went to uni in England. Well, it must have been a big um, impact on you. I can imagine as a kid, especially like working in a hotel and then seeing and meeting travelers coming in and out. I mean, as a kid, I'm sure you can't help but wonder like, what, like, what is the place like where they're from? And like, where, where are they going? And how are they getting around so much? Like, it's just a natural kind of thing. And I don't know, working in a family business like that, did you feel like a little pressure too? like, oh, man, like, if this is all on me, I hope I don't screw this up? Or was it a pretty easygoing environment for you? I really took my role seriously, especially, um, you know, running a business because I was involved in pretty much everything um, from, you know, keeping the books and the marketing and the leaflets and finding customers. It, it gave you a great boost of confidence. It also gave you a great experience of actually how it is to run a business. And I think working on my website now and being an entrepreneur, that was kind of the foundation of starting that, Hey, I can do that. It's not as difficult as you would think. So yeah, it, it's definitely different, but it was such an amazing experience. I wouldn't change it. I mean, you were getting that on the ground experience as an entrepreneur so early. When did you start your website? So I started my website about uh, three and a half years ago. And when I started, there were no many Muslim blogs. Actually, I don't think there were any Muslim blogs back then. It started because I had a passion of traveling. I love to travel. When I was a student, I would take the longest layover possible just so I can visit a different city for like 10 hours and just explore before I go back home to Greece. That experience that I became Muslim about seven, eight years ago, coming from a Christian background and a very open, I started seeing that not many girls, Muslim girls were traveling. I wanted to encourage and inspire people and Muslims, especially that, hey, if you want to be seen as normal, which 99.9% .9 of Muslims are normal and amazing and cool, um, then you should travel more because traveling breaks barriers, you know, and it brings people closer. So I started about three and a half years ago, through the whole journey of being a Muslim and becoming a Muslim and 
kind of trying to encourage people. Yeah. So, I mean, how did that happen? Like, how did you end up converting? You know what? I was always very curious as a person. And I think, let's say, Islam made sense to me. Islam is super logical. So it made sense to me. I decided that the hardest part I can do is just, you know, you have to do with a lot of personal issues of uh, betraying your family, your culture, your religion, the whole lot of, uh, and Greeks are very, you know, we're very family oriented, traditional. So yeah, it wasn't easy, but definitely it was such a learning curve and an amazing, an amazing journey overall. And I think part of being Muslim is why I started Muslim Travel Girl to kind of show that I wasn't a Muslim, but I'm a pretty cool person and I haven't changed much. For all my family says, um, I've become a better person. So I want to kind of show that to the rest of the world. Because before I become Muslim, I was never I was never discriminated against, let's say. I'm trying to be very careful with my words, but you know, I wouldn't get the extra security in the airport. Um, as a non-Muslim and as a non-hijab wearer. But after I became Muslim, I started getting those extra security measures and swipes and things like that. And personally, they don't bother me, but you can't not help to notice them that they happen. And I started hearing a lot of people saying, oh, I don't want to travel. How do you travel? You know, you get all these things going on with you. Yeah, I decided, hey, you know what? It's not as bad. And if we keep separating ourselves and kind of keeping our own communities, then it would have been harder for people to mix and, you know, meet Muslims and have a positive experience of Muslims, knowing that no what they see in the media is not always true. The religion was like more of a logical thing for you and it just resonated with you. Like, what do you mean by that? Islam on its core is very just. And also it's very one of the things I, I remember is when I became, before I become Muslim, I was like, oh my God, Islam is so oppressive. You know, they make women wear hijab, they don't have a voice. But when you dig down and you look through the culture, or you remove all the cultures that are from being like, you know, Arabs and Asian, Pakistanis and Malaysian, etc. because Muslims are not only Arabs, you leave that women can own their own properties um, they can be entrepreneurs. They're encouraged to actually speak up. They have a voice in their families. And all these layers of an actual Islamic practices come, come to the surface. Another one I studied Islamic finance in my master's is the social justice behind how you deal with people and how you do in business, which a lot of the times we don't see today with, you know, interest and debt and um, things like that. In Islam, you don't have, you have the, you know, the profit and loss options where in business, if we're in business together and the business suffers, um, we both suffer, you know, um, it's not only one, one person winner and another is loser. You know, your, your parents, how did they take this whole conversion? Like, how has that been going for you? It was very hard. Like, there's no point of lying. It was very hard for them. My mom my mom had a very difficult time, especially with the scarf on. She's getting better there. I think I take the opportunity to show her the things of Islam that teaches us, like being good to your parents and helping them and visiting them more often. And I try to teach her that Islam actually made me a better person. You know, I became calmer. You kind of see a different perspective. You know, meditation helps a lot of people. It's very similar practice. The scarf was the mo- the hardest part, I think, because it's the most visual. And then when I travel with her or, you know, in family gatherings, 
you know, it's more obvious that I'm different. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like some of them are maybe having a hard time taking you as the person also and like how this has made you a better person. This is right for you. Yeah, exactly. And I think people fear when somebody's different. And that's why I'm trying to kind of break those barriers as well. Um, because as I said, I lost friends. I also gained a lot of amazing friends um, who are accepting and loving and caring. So it, I think it's a balance it's a balance between the two, but it's, it's never easy for families, especially of those who become Muslim. So when you were going to start your website, it's muslimtravelgirl.com. You know, with the branding, kind of like, I mean, you have all these choices of things you can call yourself, right? You're, you're kind of essentially saying like, hey, I'm I'm taking on a leadership role like in this community. I'm going to be a voice that could potentially lead to me being, you know, a voice for others in some ways. Like, you know, you're here on this podcast talking about this and Muslim travel and everything. And everybody knows like, you know, you're just one person and you're sharing your experience, but you're also taking on this leadership role and putting yourself out there in that way. Was that... Like, was that scary for you? Like when you were thinking about what you were going to do with your site and everything like that? Talk about that. A yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the questions I get a lot uh, is, why did I call my website Muslim Travel Girl? And I think the, honestly speaking, I was sitting on my desk and I was like, right, I need a name for this website. I need a name for this website. <laughs> and what name am I going to, and I went around and around and around and people, you know, you try to find like all these fancy names and stuff. I was like, you know what? I am Muslim. I am a girl and I travel like it's just what it's, you know, it's just what it is. Um, so literally that's how Muslim Travel Girl came across. Not, not overthinking it kind of like. <laughs> yeah, basically I overthought about everything. And then I was like, you know, what? let's go back to uh, zero and just to the point. Was I afraid? I think when I started it, I didn't start it as a business. I didn't start it as a blog. I didn't start as a voice in the community. I started as a person who shared their own experiences and it was a personal outlet. The more the website grew and the more visitors they had, then it started resonating with so many more people who I wasn't even aware back then. And there was a time, I think about two years ago when I started speaking at conferences and, you know, magazines like the Times and BBC and like came asking, I was like, whoa, I have to be very careful what I say now, <laughs> right? Because you get quoted a lot. And I think then I had, um, I had to take a breath. <laughs> and be like, okay, so we can turn this into something positive, you know, and kind of beneficial for other people. But it was a shock. It was shocking. <laughs> yeah, you were you were sharing your experiences, and then next thing you know, you're you know you're on the phone with the BBC or whatever. You're like, wait a second, this is a this is a I am a voice for this now, whether I like it or not, kind of thing. It sounds like you like it, like you've you've embraced it. I love it. <laughs> Um, I think part of part of doing what you do is to enjoy it and love it. And, you know, a lot of gurus say, um, do what you love and you're not going to work a day in your life. Yeah, I do take that approach. I always try to take a positive approach. And, hey, I'm not going to give up on my passion. So I might as well embrace it and enjoy it and like, have fun with it. <laughs> yeah. And now you've been running the site for three years? Yeah, about three, three and a half years. And um, the comments are amazing. I think... Somebody asked me one day, like, how many hate comments have you received? I think I did an interview with the Times recently, and he's like, how many comments have you had that are hateful? And I'm like, two? <laughs> I think there were about two or three. And 
like I'm I guess I'm lucky or people you know the trolls haven't reached me yet but majority even a, a large percentage of my of my readers are non-muslim and they like the different perspective of what you know the picture painted by muslim about muslims do you travel solo or are you usually traveling with your with your mom or do you some solo travel as well so i have a husband and i also travel with my mom i find that traveling by myself is not as fun as i would like it um you know when i was in uni i did a lot of solo traveling around europe on those long layovers and it's not fun because you don't you can't share the experience of of that traveling with you know people you love so i really enjoy it and i try to always take my a member of my family or people i love like um nephews, sisters, uh, husbands, mothers, whoever I can to share that experience of traveling with them and kind of try to give them the travel bag. <laughs> um, you know, I sometimes I do travel by myself, uh, but it will mostly be for work, work-related travel rather than fun travel. You know, one of the cool things about Islam uh, that when I was, you know, I was researching for the interview and I was reading some of the core pillars and, you know, one of the pillars, of course, is the pilgrimage to Mecca, which is as travel built into the religion. It's like, <laughs> as a traveler, it's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> you're telling me to go on this trip. This is great. <laughs> it, uh, and actually, there are a lot of um, stories about traveling. You know, Ibn Battuta, who is super famous, um, you know, he was Muslim and he was a traveler. There are stories and actually part of the traveling of a large percentage of my website is about Umrah pilgrimage and traveling to Mecca and Medina and kind of encouraging people to do more of it and for less money and no break the bank because it can be super expensive. Um, and yeah, actually in Islam, when I started the website, I was researching, hey, is it, you know, because today they say girls are not permitted to travel by themselves. Um, it's dangerous, etc. But actually Islam does support traveling. Um, and it does support traveling for experiencing and getting to know one another. There is a part of Islam, which is the hadith of the prophet and what's in the Quran is, um, you know, we created you nations so you can travel and get to know one another. And that's actually in the Quran. And the term is Hajj, right? Is that, am I pronouncing that correctly? The yeah, so there are two pilgrimages you can do as a Muslim. One is Umrah, which is a smaller pilgrimage and it can be done throughout the year and then hajj is once in a lifetime if you can afford it um, for muslims and it's done in a specific time just after ramadan so it will start in about two three months um hajj and that's the largest one uh i just reading the uh, definition here from wikipedia it said the word hajj means to intend a journey which connotes both the outward act of a journey and the inward active intentions I think that's a beautiful definition of uh, not only that, but also travel in many ways, right? Because what's going on inside and, and the intentions you set there can, can create the experience, of course. How was your experience doing the pilgrimage? Wow. Um, I think it's one of the most amazing would be underestimate. It's very purifying on the soul as well as on a physical level. So what the definition of Hajj you said um, is pretty much what it is. Your intention is to go there and 
you know, uh, pray and meditate and spend some time doing certain specific rituals which are meant to, you know, expiate your sins and bring you closer to your religion. But then you have the traveling of traveling to a different culture like Saudi Arabia, which is where the Hajj and Umrah is done. People, you can have a million people literally in one very, very small square footage where they're from all over the world. So even on a physical level, it's very physically intense as it's mentally intense. I don't know how to describe it to people who haven't been, but it's a life-changing experience on on pretty much every level. You know, for your regular travels, do you find that um, you try to mix a lot of like sort of spirituality and your beliefs in with the travels, or like how do you sort of incorporate those two things? You know, Islam is my religion, but also I'm a human and I like traveling for fun. And I don't always go to spiritually intense places um, just because they're spiritually intense. I, Islam or being a Muslim is a very small part of my personality or who I am as a person. You know, if I travel and I know where there is a mosque, I will go and pray there. If there is a religious you know a different religion so whether it's christianity etc you know you go to rome you're going to go to the vatican there's no way you you can skip that um i will try you know i'll try to visit those places but would i go searching for specific um you know spiritual options no i wouldn't i would just go where i feel like going and have fun and make the most of it yeah i was just curious like how much things cross over because i know there are certain I'm not totally educated on it, but I know there are certain, um, you know, rituals as far as like prayer and different things that, that happen. And then, you know, it's like anything else. Like when you go on the road, like some of those things can be more challenging because you're, you might be, you know, on a train or like, you know, all kinds of things are happening. So like, I was just wondering how you, or like what advice you might have to people, other Muslims that are like going out on the road for an extended period of time. Like, how do you, yeah, I mean, you're enjoying your travels and, but you're also trying to keep everything so as I said, Islam, you, as a Muslim, you pray five times a day, right? There is no way you can kind of skip that part. However, Islam, as I said, it's a very logical and beautiful religion in a way. Um, so when you travel, you can combine two of the prayers together. So being a Muslim, yes, I have to keep my rituals and I have to pray. I also try and always pray on time. If I cannot pray on, on a mosque, I can actually pray sitting on a plane, you know, when times for prayer and you can't stand up to pray. You can literally sit, stand, start praying on a seat, airplane seat. Um, so if you see a Muslim kind of going around with their hands and start praying and closing their eyes, you don't have to worry. They're just probably just praying their prayer, you know, but I always try. And one of the reasons why I encourage people to travel, even as Muslims, is, hey, you are a Muslim. You have to eat halal food. For most of part, for most part, and you have to pray, but you can always make sure that you're flexible with those because when you travel as a Muslim, you have certain flexibility around the prayer times, and you can still enjoy everything else that any other human being will enjoy. With the added bonus, though, for example, um, you know, if there are certain places I have to be, I always have to make sure that I am basically our sightseeing will be between. A slotted between prayer times, <laughs> kind of. Sure. So you just plan it around around it a little bit, like anything else. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you plan anything else around it as well. So it's you know, once you do it once or twice, you kind of get the grip of it, and you know. 
I have to pray before sunset, so I have to be back in my hotel at sunset. Or is there a mosque around that I can pray before sunset? And you just work with them. What about um, the hijab? Do you have any issues with that as far as like traveling, going through security and all that kind of stuff? How do you, I'm sure that's a common question you get. So I figure we can, I just let you like field sort of the, the FAQs here so you can <laughs> help anybody that's listening that um, wants advice on this. So traveling with hijab is a big issue for women. I have a YouTube video on that where I speak about traveling with hijab through airport security because usually women are super scared of, you know, are they going to be stopped, etc. I have never had an issue of traveling with a hijab per se. So I've never been, you know, said, oh, you can't travel, you can't go through the airport, for example, with your hijab. Actually, I just came from Toronto and I was wearing a hat. I sometimes wear hats when I'm abroad. And it was so cold that the hat made sense with minus one. And while I was going through airport security, I totally forgot that I'm wearing my hat. And I was like, oh, can I go through with my hat? And the lady's like, oh, no, because if you go through the scanner with your hat, they're going to ask you to remove it. So I was like, okay, so I have to wear my scarf. She's like, yeah, you can just go around the corner and wear your scarf. And I literally went in front of everyone, just, you know, went to the corner, hid my hair, kind of put my scarf on, removed my hat, and they were fine with it. I think it's a matter of people knowing what you're doing that, you know, makes it makes it at ease. Um, there are a lot of countries like I've been to Greece. I get a lot of questions about Greece and whether it's OK to travel as a Muslim woman. I've never had issues. If you are wearing a proper hijab, people will never say you have to remove it. Like even airport security knows if you are tra- if you are going exploring outside Alhamdulillah, like, thank God, I haven't had any, you know, I, I haven't had any issues. And from a lot of the comments on my website, people are traveling freely. There are obviously minor incidents that you could have, uh, but that could happen anywhere, even in your home countries. So, you know, one of the things you talk about is our Muslim friendly destinations. So like, what are some of those? So as, um, as a Muslim, I try to encourage my audience to go to non-Muslim countries. Just because I find that Muslims in general or people in general will gravitate towards places they, you know, they feel comfortable with. People, Muslims will go to Dubai, super popular destination. I try to encourage them to go to Italy and, you know, the UK or Canada or even the US. um, Because this is the only way by going to different places where you're afraid of because you think you'll be discriminated, that you can break those barriers for yourself. And also for the other people who are living there and probably haven't had a Muslim visitor. Um, So, you know, making sure that you don't only go to those where you feel comfortable with um, makes, you know, makes a big difference in how you explore, how you explore traveling. And also, you know, as a traveler, how confident you become in your travels because your comfort um, is out of your comfort zone kind of thing. It expands, isn't it? the things that drive Islamophobia and, you know, I mean, I have to say like a huge part of that could be, you know, the media and, and how it's represented. What is your opinion on, on the media's representation of, of your faith? You, we could have better um, examples of Muslims in the world. Um, currently, I don't think the media is very Muslim friendly <laughs> per se. Sadly, there are not many things you can do. 
as a as a person on a personal level, obviously through my website, I try to break those. I don't think Muslims' representation in the media is correct. Um, you know, they don't show majority of the time uh, Muslim families having dinner around or enjoying a walk in the park with their children or having fun while taking photos outside the Eiffel Tower. Um, they will show the negative connotations of Islam. Sadly, some Muslims, a very small minority of Muslims, are not making it any better for the billions of Muslims out there who are pretty normal people and, you know, enjoy the normal stuff that everybody else would. It can, it can be harming. You mentioned going to the U.S. Like, do you even consider the U.S. to be a Muslim-friendly je- destination? A lot of people, Muslims, are worried going to the U.S. I was worried going to the U.S. before I went to the U.S., However, I went to the U.S. and I love the U.S. <laughs> you know, I mean, the U.S. is such a massive country, right? I loved it. I had great fun. I went to Las Vegas, which was like, you know, <laughs> super weird. Um, as a Muslim going to Vegas, <laughs> I had fun in Vegas. I mean, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You know, I went to Los Angeles, New York, Washington, and I didn't have any discrimination against me I didn't feel discriminated against as a Muslim um, I don't think I got any bad looks even in you know Vegas casino and stuff like that it was fun and I would definitely encourage people to go to the US yeah that makes me happy to hear <laughs> and hopefully God willing I'm going back in September so I hope my second third experience of the US is as positive <laughs> as the previous two in a way like whether you're everybody likes it or not, like in some ways, whether you're representing a faith or your country or whatever, you're, I've said this before, you're like a mini ambassador when you travel, right? So like me as an American, if I start chatting with people and they focus on the fact that I'm American and they want to get to know me through the lens or the context of what their idea of an American is, then I can't control what they think or how they feel, right? And it's like, it's like that with, with anything. So if they have an idea of like good or bad, then that's just their thought process. And you can just be you and be respectful of whatever country you're in and, and just, yeah, try to be a good person, right? Like it's... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think what I try to always do when I travel is be nicer to people. I mean, I'm try to, I'm always nicer, you think, but I try to be nicer. You know, in Islam, we have a saying that um, even a smile is a charity. So as a Muslim, you should smile. So, you know, when I go out and I'm wearing a hijab, because as a, as a hijab-wearing woman, you do represent Islam. You are an ambassador, whether you like it or you don't like it. So you should always be a hundred times nicer uh, than you would be in your home country. Yeah, I have some friends um, in Norway that are Muslim, and, and you know, one in particular during the uh, Ramadan. It's so hard here because the sun <laughs> didn't go down. You know, it's Norway, and it was... Uh, I can't remember when it was last year. You you would know, but it was like anyway. It was like a lot of daylight, right? And and you have to fast yeah. while the lights out. Twenty three hours. Or while the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was like I was just so admired him for what he was doing. Like I almost wanted to do it in solidarity, but you know, just to support him. But like <laughs> he had a lot of really great things to say about the the process. I don't know if you've ever um, traveled during Ramadan or anything. Like if you have any advice around that and your experience with it. And and just explain to people what it is in case they don't know. 
Yeah. So Ramadan is the month of fasting for Muslims. So for a whole month, um, just before the Hajj season starts, it's usually in the new lunar calendar where um, for about a month, you do not eat or drink from sunrise to sunset, depending on the country you are located in. So in Norway, sometimes they don't, they fast for 23, 22 hours. In the UK, I fasted 21, 22, which was the longest. You know, in Doha, it's 12 hours, depends where you are. Um, some countries, especially if it's the winter and you're in a country with very short light, it can be six hours. Um, but basically from sun, sunrise to sunset, you don't eat and you don't drink. And... Um, you know, after that, you can eat and drink. Then it's a big party, right? Then you, then you eat yes, and drink. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's a very part of it. Um, however, there are studies that, you know, fasting has been good for your body. And I think the, the first three days is the hardest. After that, you can travel and you can't, like, you can eat and you can get used to it. The traveling part, I've traveled during uh, Ramadan. I've traveled to, to do pilgrimage in Ramadan. You can actually break your fasting if it's too much while you're traveling. If it's a necessity travel, Islam doesn't want to burden you with more than you can handle. And already traveling is hard enough. Fasting and traveling is even harder. Um, I know people who have done it, of course. Um, would I encourage traveling in Ramadan? I would. However... Ramadan in that month is more of a spiritual journey. So I would encourage going to places where you can practice that spirituality. So, for example, I always tried before I lived in a Muslim country for some part of Ramadan and the celebrations to go to a different Muslim country, you know, because they have mosques, they have the food, they have the community spirit of from sun, sunrise to sunset, you don't fast. But then after sunset to sunrise, you can eat and you can be a community. And they have a lot of great um, places where you can invite Muslims, non-Muslims, get to know what it is about. And it's one of the things actually I like about Doha, because last year was my first Ramadan in a Muslim country proper. Um, and they have so many events. And actually, they have so many non-Muslims who are fasting in solidarity of Muslims. <laughs> Fasting with 50 degrees heat outside. <laughs> wow. I want to chat with you about uh, where, where you were recently and, and what happened today because we talked a little bit before the, the interview and we had to reschedule before um, because you were on your way to, to Canada to visit your best friend who you just found out passed away today. And I said, I, I, we don't have to do this today, but you wanted to do this. And I said, well, is it, I, I'm not just bringing this on you because we talked about it a little bit before. I said, is it okay if we talk about this? And you said it was, you said maybe like it, that your friend might want you to talk about this and, and that, um, how are you feeling right now? I feel fantastic, I guess. <laughs> I think talking to you does help. And I actually, so I went to Canada last week. My friend has been battling a stage uh, for cancer, which took her away within three months of her oh, diagnosis. That's so and unexpected. I'm so sorry young. for your loss. I meant to, to add that in too. I mean, yeah. that's so unexpected. Thank that's, you. wow, that's so fast. It's part of life. Uh, you know, it's three months. She was only 36, um, young. But when I was there, so I went to visit her and it was one of those places, one of those things where you're like... 
you know, we travel for fun and for experiencing different things and different culture. And that was my first trip to Canada. Um, and I just went and I was like, you know what? I know that if I don't go, I would probably regret it later on. And, um, we know we, we had a scare with her about 10 days ago and I was like, right, I'm going. And it was such an, a beautiful experience. And actually I have a post coming up dedicated to her because while we were sitting two o'clock in the morning in her hospital, um, she was like, you know what, maybe you should write a post about how you travel for reasons like this. You don't travel only for um, fun experiences, but life is unexpected. And, you know, in a global society, you have friends, family all over the place. Yeah. And as a traveler, one of my biggest fears ever was that I will find out that you know, my something happened to my family and I was far away totally, yeah. from them. And I know that a lot of people have that, especially like digital nomads living in different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. It, it just happens. It's life. And I think it's very important that we talk about it because, you know, through that pain, you still get to know each other and you still understand how strong you are as a person to sit on an airplane seat and like cry and wonder if you're going to get there and be with your loved ones. So, yeah, it's, I loved Canada, whatever I saw from Canada, which was about a few hours <laughs> of the airports. Um, and I'm very grateful for the five days I got to spend with her and the memories I created because those memories actually helped me today do that interview and, you know, her last words of, hey, you should do that post. Uh, where And she was an amazing person. She touched the life of thousands. She was a coach. She was very public-faced. Um, another Muslim woman. And the fact that, you know, you get to travel and spend some time is is truly a blessing. That, that I think we've all had that fear of being away and not being able to, to get back or something. And I'm so happy to hear that you got to have that time together. Again, really sorry for your loss, and I, I really appreciate you talking about it and sharing a bit about it. And um, I'm sure it's a, uh, yeah, it's. You know, and actually, um, sorry, I actually wanted to mention something else because I think part of traveling is financial. You know, it's always finances. And when you buy a ticket last minute, tickets can be super expensive. But it's that thing of you should never prioritize finances first before your you know your loved ones when it comes to it because there were moments before I booked my flight I was like oh my god I can't spend three thousand dollars you know on a trip um for something like this but then you think about it and you're like hey you know what that's much more important than something else that you have to cut back from yeah I know like in this case it's a different thing but you could you could almost do that you know, with any trip, and I know that can be hard for people because you don't know what you're going to get out of a trip, right? Like outside of just, yeah, you know, if, exactly. like, you know, this situation's a different type of situation. But if you're going to say fly and, and spend two months going around Europe or whatever, like there's something that comes back out of that that you can't put a monetary value on, right? Like, of course, we need money to travel. But um, like you said, there is that sort of balance, it's really a mindset thing, I guess when it comes yeah, down to it. Yeah. And it's the, me- it's the memories and it's the priorities of life, right? You obviously ha- I have to cut on some other travels eh, because, you know, work commitments or whatever, but I wouldn't, I don't regret it for a moment. And I think when it comes, when it comes to it, life happens and this, you know, death is part of life at the end of the day. And traveling is, 
is part of life for me as well. So it's it's a matter of making sure that you get the most out of it. To me, it's a motivator too. Like, I mean, I look at it, death in kind of like... um. Like I always say a lot to myself, like I'm kind of morbidly happy in a way, like because I, I think about it a lot, but in a way where it's like, hey, you just never know. So do this thing or enjoy this time or don't be afraid of this risk because it's not really a big deal in the grand scheme of things because. <laughs> exactly. I think one of the this is one of the things that that trip taught me and I 100% agree with you is life is very short, um, you know, to regret things that probably wouldn't have much impact on the grand scheme of things like, Oh, that Facebook live video that, you know, didn't go well. Oh, Hey, I said that in this podcast today, maybe I should have changed the wording of it. Um, you know, things that potentially you only know about yourself. Um, but it teaches you a lot of other things like a lot of great life lessons. The inner dialogues that we have that are just with ourselves, right? Yeah. That nobody else is thinking <laughs> these things. Exactly. Um, exactly. We have this in common. I spent a lot of years like working on on the road and, and traveling for work and, and like really experiencing travel and meeting people, you know, in the physical world and then switching onto this like sort of online world, right? Um, you kind of the same with the with the hotel work and like, you know, you're in like physical travel space, you're meeting travelers, people are coming in and out and now working online, has that been hard for you? Like, do you miss having sort of the interactions of, uh, you know, with travelers in, in, in the way that you used to have it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. So I'm a very extroverted person, right? I can talk for hours on end. Um, and sometimes, like, I get a lot of comments. I get a lot of emails on my website, etc. But still, it's, it misses that human contact that you have in the real world. Um, sometimes there will be times where I'm working all day long and I, I can have talked to like 20 people and answered 20 different emails back and forth. And it's not the same as when my husband walks home from work and I'm like, I need a human interaction. I need to talk to you. <laughs> Because I think you can build you can build relationships online and I have amazing relationships with people who I've met online and then I met in person. Um, but I think with the online world, you miss that human interaction that you would have otherwise. And sometimes a deeper connection. Like I have friends from my times where we run the hotel in Corfu and they're still my friends. Um, but it was built on like mutual experiences on a personal level, you know, Um parties in the on the beach and things like that where online you can't have that relationship building you have different sort of relationship but i do miss human like you know proper person to person yeah do you ever have this like secret you know wish or like oh maybe i'll own a hotel one day or get back into that or are you like no i had enough of that lifestyle growing up i don't need that <laughs> i would love to do that actually um i am in the process of working on some projects along those lines um, I think for me, it's a passion of providing great hospitality for people and having fun and creating memories for people, whether I do it online or offline. Um, so hopefully that kind of works out for me <laughs> in an, in, in my own world, you know, knowing my parents world where I was a supporting piece. Yeah. What are a couple of your like top travel tips? 
So buy a converter <laughs> for like your plugging. Um, one of the things I totally forgot is like I went to Canada and I was like, I can't believe I'm a traveler. And I totally forgot Canadians have different plugs, <laughs> right? Like, this is and obviously, <laughs> I know it's such a shameful thing to say, especially on a travel podcast, right? Um, <laughs> well, no, what I was going to say is like, this is, this is one of the like Achilles heel for like the experienced traveler. Like you get, so used to traveling, you're just like, whatever, I'm just going tomorrow. You pack at the last second. You're like, I've done this so many times. And then you, you know, you forget major things because like, I feel like sometimes with the more experience you get, you overlook the small things sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> I totally agree with that. The, the amount of ty- things that I've forgotten that are like so small. I was right. like, I can't believe I forgot that. It would be so embarrassing if I actually tell my Instagram followers <laughs> that I did that, <laughs> which a lot of the parts of the, you know, I do. And I do share those, you know, small incidents because they're only human. And, um, you know, we're not we know some people who never make mistakes or travel mistakes, you know, or losing your passport or, you know, booking the wrong tickets, how like double check your tickets. I guess that's another tip for you. Um, I've done that many times where I've booked different dates and I've actually gone to a hotel and an airport and be like, my flight is today and I have a room booked. And like, uh, no, you don't. <laughs> so, you know, travel tips, take your loved ones with you. There are always ways to save money on travel. Travel is not as expensive as people think. You know, one of the things I I love, my biggest tip is miles and points. (laughs) I use a lot of miles and points to travel uh, on the cheap side. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Another tip I have that actually not many people um, realize is, especially when renting cars, is like insurances and things like that. Insurance is very important. Um you know, for health reasons, healthcare can be super expensive. So travel insurance, I highly recommend um, to have as a travel, as a travel tip, because it's one of those things that you overlook because you're like, nothing's going to happen. And um, I've been hospitalized abroad. So the bill was very high. So it's very important. And I don't know, just pack the best attitude you have for traveling. I sometimes see so many miserable travelers. You know, bring your excitement and smiles and even on the plane while you're getting there, you know. Yeah, take your loved ones with you. That's something yeah, I would really like to do more of, you know. Like I feel like uh, there was just so many years of traveling where I was just on my own and for whatever reason, I, I love that. And uh, of course, packing a great attitude and double checking your tickets, very important. And I agree with you on the travel insurance thing. I mean, it's... Uh, it's one of those hard things is like nobody likes to spend money on travel insurance, right? Like, and I can, I can link up to an article in the show notes if you want, if you're like going on a trip and you want to get like a, a breakdown because I have one, but, uh, but you know what? It can be much more expensive if you don't. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it can well, be much more expensive. Elena, thank you so much. And MuslimTravelGold.com's website. Anywhere else people could find you or should find you? Instagram, Facebook, Muslim Travel Girl. You can find me there. It's usually the places where I post daily and I post all my silly incidents when traveling or not. <laughs> Sounds so, great. So, yeah. Well, I hope we can cross paths at some point and have a human interaction, as you said, <laughs> instead of this, this Skype stuff. But uh, we'll make that happen someday. Thanks so much for your time. We'll chat soon. Thank you so much. Yes. All right, cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. There you go, my friend. Thanks to Elena for stopping by today's show and sharing 
her perspective and and things that are going on in her life and, and everything that she shared today. So I want to thank her for that and hope we get to cross paths at some point here. And I say the same for you, my friend. I'm not sure where you're at in the world listening to this, but it will be great to run into you at some point. I hope you're having a great day and we've got some things to cover here before I let you go. Of course, the question at the top of the show and this challenge I alluded to earlier that I'm going to take on that I'm excited about and maybe something that you want to do with me and you can send me an email anytime or a tweet at zero to travel or drop me a line jason at zero to travel.com and let me know if you did it and that way we can hold each other accountable because um, I keep putting this this challenge off, even though it's going to be super fun. I'll share more about that in a second. First, uh, really quickly want to thank Pimsleur Language Learning Audio Courses for supporting today's show. Look, if you are learning a language or you want to, and you want to enhance your travel experience, you should learn some of the local language. And the best way to do it, in my opinion, is using the Pimsleur Audio Courses. There are many tools out there, and I use other tools to support my language learning. But when it comes to learning on the go, I love podcasts and I love audio. And that's what I love about Pimsleur. You can just download these lessons. You can start speaking right away and you can listen while you're doing dishes or while you're at the gym or maybe while you're at rattling on a train through India or whatever it is um, that you're doing right now out in the world and pick up new words and start using them right away. And it just helps so much with the pronunciation to have the audio aspect. You know, the apps and everything I use to help me memorize words and they're great, but that those audio courses are huge. They're so helpful. And uh, if you go to zero to travel.com slash easy, Pimsleur's hooking you up with a deal. If you're based in the States, you get access to a free seven-day trial to their new monthly subscription service. And if you continue on after that free trial, you'll actually be supporting this show as well. But basically, you get access to all of the lessons in any language you want to learn, which is awesome for one low monthly price. But you can get it for seven days first for free, at least for now. And uh, I'm not sure how long that's going to last. So I wouldn't wait on that. If you're looking to take advantage of it, go ahead and check that out. If you're out of the States, you go to that link, you can still check out a free lesson and you're still able to purchase courses through Pimsleur. Either way, check it out, zerototravel.com slash easy because... It's an easy way to start learning a language or level up your language skills. I mean, this is the same technique of language learning that's used by places like the FBI and the State Department. Uh, It's been around for multiple decades, and I have been a huge fan and customer for a long time. So check it out. I'll drop that link in the show notes. And thank you so much to Pimsleur for supporting today's show and extending that offer to the Zero to Travel listening community. Thank you to everybody over there working hard to make those awesome courses. Now, this question at the top of the show, one awesome thing about travel that gives me personal peace in droves. By the way, what does in droves mean anyway? Like how much how much is a drove? <laughs> Just thinking about this now. I used that word and I was like, wait a minute. In droves. What does that exactly mean? I'm going to look up at the de- definition right now. Here we go. Uh, droves is a plural noun and it just means in large quantities. That's it. There you go. (laughs) In large quantities. So anyway, what gives me personal peace in large quantities when I'm traveling? You know what it is? I feel like when I'm home, I wake up every day and there's a lot to do. 
you know, I have these to-do lists and there's all these things that need to get done. And if you go on the road for an extended period of time, like a year or even months or whatever, it's not like you don't have anything to do on your to-do list. I mean, there are certainly to-dos that need to get done. For example, if you're away during tax time and you still need to file your taxes, that responsibility doesn't go away. But there's something about travel that seems to eliminate a lot of the sort of busy to-do list and it just strips it down to like the big to-dos, right? And then what do you have to do? I mean, you could you could make a to-do list for yourself when you're traveling. I was I remember traveling with a buddy of mine once years ago and he was uh, he worked in an office and he was a pretty corporate guy and he in a way and uh, he was so used to like to-do lists that he was making a to-do list for what we were going to do that day and I'm like I what what is there to do? I mean, I'm going to go on the beach, I'm going to play some volleyball, I'm going to have a nice leisurely lunch, go for a swim. <laughs> I don't need to write that down. It's just funny how different uh personalities are, but I I don't know, I find when I'm traveling that I can just relax more and enjoy the moment and I don't feel this big rush to do things, to get things done. And all of this productivity and and the things in our culture that are all about getting things done, it's, I'm realizing it's taking me away from enjoying the actual doing of those things. And that's something I was reflecting on today. I was like, you know what? I got to get my mind out of this whole idea of getting things done. And yes, I can have a to-do list, but then just get into the task and enjoy it. And don't think about, okay, let me get it done and move on to the next thing. Because that's been a bad habit for me lately. So I'm uh, I'm aware of that now. I became a bit aware, more aware of that this morning. And I was thinking about travel and how, wow, it just feels so good when you, when you don't have an agenda. And like I said, I mean, certainly there are things you have to do like book hotels and things like that. But I always enjoy that stuff. So I don't know if you can relate to any of this as I you know, feel the two cups of coffee I just drank kicking in. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I want to bring that mentality back to my sort of settled life now that I'm not traveling currently and I'm settled here. I just want to bring some of that feeling back. And that leads into my challenge. And the challenge I'm going to take on, I just found out that here in Oslo where I live, there is a free walking tour, actually a couple free walking tours every day in Oslo. And I've talked about this on the show before, how much fun it is to be a tourist in your own town and how easy it is to forget to do that. And I could go too long in between times where I just look at where I live through fresh eyes as a traveler, as I imagine being a traveler passing through here, what that would be like. So I am going to go on a walking tour of the city that I live in because I want to learn some new stuff about it. I want to hear what they say and it will be fun to be around other travelers and it's free. I think you just have to tip the guide, which is no problem there. And I'm just going to have a day like that. I'm going to do a walking tour and go see some sites that I've walked by or seen a million times and just do it for fun. Maybe hit a cafe and relax and get back to that peaceful feeling of not having anything to do, but just be just be. And I'm looking forward to that. So I challenge you, my friend, to be a tourist in your own town. If you live in a very small town, 
maybe there's a town down the road that's really close by that you can go be a tourist in that you haven't seen with fresh eyes for a while. Go do it. Let me know how it goes. I'll let you know how it goes for me. I would be curious to hear what your experience is like and what you learn from uh, an excursion or a day or an afternoon or a morning or whatever in your own town. Let's do it. There it is. There's the challenge. A couple quotes to leave you with. One from Deepak Chopra. These quotes are around the theme of identity. And Deepak said, we have to really educate ourselves in a way about who we are, what our real identity is. And there's one more quote I am going to share from Dr. Wayne Dyer. The ego is only an illusion but a very influential one. Letting the ego illusion become your identity can prevent you from knowing your true self. Ego, the false idea of believing that you are what you have or what you do is a backwards way of assessing and living life. There you have it. Another show in the books. Thanks so much for joining me. I'll see you next time. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 